0: I wanted to have a threesome, and then I fell for the person we were having a threesome with. I was like, what the fuck? I think I'm polyamorous. I don't know what to do with this. Philosophically, it made sense. Practically, it was a fucking nightmare for me. I had so much insecurity, so much jealousy. I was just navigating a lot of stuff. I was having panic attacks. I did not advocate for myself in the, con- in the context of that because I was reading all this literature and listening to all of these podcasts that were available at the time. That was saying, like, how to do poly right and what is not okay and how you have to treat these people. And I was like, trying to be like, I'm such a student at heart. You know, I was like, I can do this. I can do this. You can do this. You want this. And it wasn't that I didn't want it. It was just that I was doing it inauthentically to where I was for my capacity. But first, a word from our sponsors
1: It's the vibrator that has no equal. And now, Motor Bunny offers their thrusting sex machine, the Motor Bunny Buck. Enjoy a fan whore discount at pod.com slash motor bunny or use promo code manhore at checkout. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. Shout out to all the slutty singles, poly pockets, monogamous muppets, and bisexual babysitters. (laughs) This is Billy Procida, and you're listening to the Man Whore Podcast. That was a fun one to do at the end. (laughs) Hey, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to the show. I uh, got a baby update for you. Not an update about having a baby. Oh, I mean, although congratulations to my sister. Shout out to Morgan. Um gave gave birth to baby number two over the weekend. Uh, I now have a niece and a nephew. Now I have two living action figures to play with during the holidays. Ha <laughs> ha uh but, but I, have a, I have a little update for you regarding Wallet No Lady. Uh aka if this doesn't work out, I will throw my hands up and become a relationship anarchist slut monster. Uh, We are dating again, but taking it slow this time, you know, as we try to we try again to do this whole open relationship thing the right way for both of us. Uh, I've shared before that non-monogamy is new to her and something she's been adjusting to. But I didn't realize how much of an adjustment it is for me to be with someone who is new to non-monogamy I thought it would just be about you know patience while she figures out how she feels and what she needs and you know being supportive of her, you know a lot of her newness being the issue, right? Maybe that was a little unfair of me. On our first date, you know, I I I assured her, hey, my non-monogamy, it doesn't have to be a free for all, and you know, I say all the time that non-monogamy is about making your own rules. Only now I'm realizing that none of my previous relationships. Had very many rules. Paige, you know, I don't really remember there being any firm rules going on there. You know, Shay just wanted a text message, you know, on my way to someone's place to get laid. Uh, Megan pretty much just said, don't fuck my friends. So I avoided fucking anyone in Jersey City just to be safe. And of course, I use condoms with other partners, right? But I've had the privilege or handicap, depending on how you look at it, of getting to do pretty much whatever I wanted, however I wanted. You know, now that there might be some kind of limitation on my sexual freedom from time to time, it's like any 90s movie where some rich kid gets sent to a public school and is treated just like everybody else. And he's all like, what do you mean I can't make stock trades on my cell phone during history class? I thought this was America. (laughs) Or, what do you mean silk robes aren't part of this dress code? Okay, Stalin... Like, basically, when it comes to non monogamy, I've been pretty spoiled. Uh, you know, I've, I've been having a lot of conversations lately about Polly and EM, both on mic and off. You'll hear a great one today with my guest, Amanda Catherine Loy, in just a bit. Yeah, I've also had some uh, off mic chats with friends and lovers of mine about how they practice, like this chick I met at Hacienda. Her boyfriend is also newer to the lifestyle. I asked her what their rules are and she just asks him each time. Hey, I'm planning to go not not for permission, just like feel him out like hey, I'm planning to go out with so and so on Monday. How do you feel about that? Seems simple but also terrifyingly vague to me. Like what if he doesn't feel great about it and he doesn't want you to go? What if he doesn't feel great about it like 10 times in a row? And she said that's okay. You know, that's not the case with them, but but she said if that happened, she would just and I know this is gonna sound absolutely crazy, but you know, she would just not go on the date. What? Ah, sound the alarms, bad poly alert, DEF CON whore. I repeat, we are at DEF CON whore. Some slut in Brooklyn is about to not have sex that she wants to have in consideration of her boyfriend's feelings. You know, I don't think it's that I don't want to take someone else's feelings into consideration when deciding if I'm going to fuck this person or go to that glory hole in my personal time. I think it's that I've just never needed to for so long. And now that I'm actually faced with it, I'm having a hard time adjusting. Just like Wallet No ladies, having a hard time adjusting to a new lifestyle with less restrictions, albeit more naked bodies feeling her up. Amanda and I discussed this on the episode, but some poly people can be pretty militant about how okay people need to be with a partner's sex life, and how kitchen table poly is the best version of poly. You know, that your jealousy is your jealousy, and you need to figure that out on your own time. None of my past relationships were perfect, but you know I did have partners who didn't really care that I hooked up with other people. Wallet No Lady, just like most people in the lifestyle, is still experiencing jealousy sometimes when i'm sleeping with other people it's pretty normal right being jealous is not a sign that this isn't for you i do think it helps that she's thoroughly enjoying the benefits of uh, this kind of arrangement herself but you know even i get jealous at times when i feel insecure in a relationship some would say it's not fair to give her you know, something you would call veto power. But instead of calling it veto power, I'm I'm thinking of it as consideration. Consideration I do out of love. I I was really resistant to like anything that could, you know, corner me into unintended monogamy. But that's not what's happening right now. That's just anticipatory anxiety. And I think she's worth the leap of faith. Maybe if I'm more flexible, she'll find herself more flexible too. And, like, maybe not. Maybe this all crashes and burns. I don't, you know, we all know that my relationships end in threes, two, two breakups down. Eh, but, but I hope not. I'm in love, whoreheads. Very inconvenient for my slut schedule, but very worth it. And there's also an element of like, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be cute for. Like, I'm turning 33 in June and noticing all sorts of new things to be self conscious about like damn should I start wearing a beanie when I eat pussy you know is that a turn off for chicks to look down at me like that Uh, you know it's like like life is going to restrict my sex life all on its own anyways again I've got uh I've got Amanda Catherine Loy on the pod this week she's the host of the live your fuck yes life podcast she's uh really big on poly tiktok really big on bye girl tiktok and uh Really big on bracket TikTok, all things we're going to discuss in just a moment. Um, Gosh, it feels good to say this again, but show dates, show dates, show date singular. We're just getting back into things. But uh, next Thursday, March 31st, I'm going to be at the Tiny Cupboard at 10 p.m. It's a hip venue out here in Bushwick. You could go to thetinycupboard.com if you want to get tickets to that. And, uh, folks, you know, we had a great listener question last week about yeast infections and UTIs. Brought in a friend of the pod, Dr. Ina Park, to help out with that one. And, you know, you can always send me your comments, your questions, your uh, criticisms. Hey. Send any and all that over to manwhorepod at gmail.com. You just might get your advice question answered on the show. Before I get to this week's guest, let's do a quick fanhor appreciation moment right yeah, let's let's give a thank you to someone who's helping keep the lights on over my head and keeping condoms on my cock. I want to give a big thank you to Robert Everett. Hey, man. Hey, who, who you think shot his wad first, Han or Greedo? Which one's got the, the premature ejaculation problem, buddy? Hey, you big Star Wars nerd. Thank you for supporting the Man Whore Podcast on Patreon. Very much appreciated. Every dollar counts. Big fan of those of you again, those annual memberships. Those are very nice, very helpful for me. A little discount for you. We all win. And you can become a member today and support the podcast you love by joining my Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Podcast. Let's go get to know the host of the Live Your Fuck Yes Life podcast, Amanda Catherine Loy. Motor Bunny has been a longtime sponsor of the Man Horror Podcast. Oh gosh, it might be my longest serious committed relationship. Can you have a serious committed relationship with a vibrator? I don't know. I think so. I'm a big fan of the Motor Bunny. This is the most powerful vibrator you'll ever own. It's a vibrator so powerful, you don't lay back and insert it. No, you get on that bad boy and you Ride it, mm, bunny is a ride. Oh my god, <laughs> I just put that together. Caroline is a uh, that's like that's one of wallet no ladies like favorites. Bunny is a ride. How have I not put together bunny is a rider and motor bunny till now? What's wrong with me? Something I used to do years back is I <laughs> I would post on Reddit. I'd be like, any ladies want to come over and ride my thousand dollar vibrator? Don't be intimidated by the price. They do have payment plans, and I got a discount code. Hang tight, but you know I would post this. Hey, anyone want to come ride my expensive vibrator? And then um, I would get like random women would come over just to use use the sex story of mine. Because and I'm not even trying to like you know backdoor my way into some sex or a blowjob or something. I mean the only catches at a minimum I'm going to watch you use my vibrator. But I mean, how often do you have access to such an amazing toy? <laughs> One time I had these two women, they were gonna, they're friends, and they were gonna come over and use it in front of me. And then they were like, hey, actually, a friend of ours, can she and her husband come over uh, too? Cause she really wants to use it as well and play with us. Uh, but it would, and, and then me and the husband just literally sat there on chairs and just like really enjoyed the view of these three women fucking each other with <laughs> my motor bunny. What I'm trying to say is, when you got a motor bunny, m- new possibilities open up in the world, and you should consider getting one today. Whether it's to you know post on Reddit for random women to come over, or if you know to to add to your household, to you and your loved ones special times together. And motor bunny is going to give you a special deal just for the fan horse: fifty dollars off your motor bunny when you use promo code Manhor, or when you visit manhorpod.com/slash motor bunny. This toy is legit. This toy is no fucking joke. Honestly, I don't even know if some of you can handle it. But if you think you got what it takes to take this in the ass or take this in your cunt, get one today. Visit manwhorepod.com slash motorbunny or use promo code manhor at checkout. Now let's get to the show. thinking this morning, I was like, she says fuck a lot, like more than... More sure than you do. expect if you look at her
0: yep <laughs> I am so many things that people don't expect when you look at me <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> like pretty much all the things you're like oh yeah you wouldn't think that when you look at this very white girl who looks very like innocent and nope
1: you look very <laughs> professional kind uh, the norm dare I dare I say and I don't want to offend but normal.
0: Yeah, that is actually one of the most offensive things you could have said to me. (laughs) I I want us to reclaim the word weird. When I use weird in the context of anybody, it's like the biggest compliment I can give you, you know? Yeah,
1: I I think my college essay was titled Normalcy is Overrated. Oh, love that. I've been I've been on that game for a uh, for a while, yeah. <laughs> but it was like, oh yeah, it's like yeah, you know, it's the fuck fuck yeah podcast. Okay, like that. Sometimes <laughs> people throw fuck because they're like that's their version of edgy. It's like I got one fuck and I'm gonna put it in a title right. of. A sh- yeah. But no, she I was like she says it a lot. I was like, yeah,
0: I curse like a, I curse more <laughs> than I, sh- I I I don't know than many people think I should. But I'm like, if you don't like swear words, then you should not be following me because I swear a lot in my day to day life. I yeah. swear all the time, so.
1: Uh but Amanda Loy, welcome to the show. Thank thanks you. for coming on. And as I was saying off mic, it's like I found you uh through TikTok when, when when I was experimenting with the platform. I I did 30 days. I posted every day five times a day. I got tired. Um yeah, That's a <laughs> lot. Like, no thanks.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would get tired too.
1: <laughs> but but you are like uh you're like you're like one of the leading poly influencer people I see pop up uh on on TikTok and to be able to condense Such a complicated, nuanced topic into short videos. Uh, Like I said, it it seems very difficult, and so I'm very like uh, impressed by by what you're putting out there.
0: Oh, thank you.
1: Yeah. What? When? When did you start like putting out poly stuff?
0: It happened so accidentally. Like, when was it? Twenty. 20 maybe. Yeah. 2020, you know, we had a four person polycule. It Mm. was me and my partner and my husband and his partner. And we were also in a bubble for quarantine. And so it was like, well, I guess we're spending Thanksgiving together and we'll just make it make it what, what it is. And I was like, I've slept with every person around the table. And of course it went viral because people were like coming at me being like, oh, incest, like you've slept with your family members. And I was like, assumptions are being made here that I'm having dinner with my family, but okay. Um, So anyways, that was wild. (laughs) And then I was getting a lot of questions about polyamory. And I was like, okay, like I'm an open book. I've been talking very publicly about my polyamory journey on my podcast and on my Instagram, but it just wasn't somewhere I was doing it on TikTok. And then I just started answering questions and people were Mm -hmm. genuinely curious and Asking really thoughtful questions, which I was like, yes, nobody talks about this shit. Like, I'm happy to answer these things and I'm happy to talk about that. And it just kind of went from there. So it was super unexpected and just kind of listened to what people were asking, basically. Yeah. yeah.
1: But like, polyamory wasn't like what you were, like, you're pro- professionally working on at Absolutely the time. Absolutely
0: not. No, I'm, I coach uh, around fear and shame. And uh, I, really around people pleasers who are struggling with all of the shoulds of life. Right. And so sometimes that can attract people who are non-monogamous or queer or whatever, because that's a big part of like being in a box that's not for you.
1: Yeah. Think Um, about like, you're trying to like people please like your one partner. Now imagine you're trying to people please five partners.
0: Yep. It's (laughs) fucking shitty. And I don't know why I ever decided to do this because it's hard. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but yeah, I, I just kind of, I don't know. I've, I've always talked very openly about everything I've navigated since I started, you know, being on social media and I was a blogger for a while. What, back when blogging was, was trendy, like in like the mid twenty. I don't know. Really
1: 14, aging both of us here with the whole blog thing. Cause I totally know what a blog is. Yeah. It was, I don't know. Do they have them?
0: I, I just like, it's not, I still have mine up. Like <laughs> they're old, old now, but you know, my blogging turned to podcasting. Yeah. um, in 2018. And I just was like, actually, I like this horror more cause I'm an actor first and foremost. And I love to tell stories and I love to just, I don't know, share my voice and we all need to know that we're not alone. And that's why I do everything I do. So,
1: yeah, I want to say, I want to give my condolences on the, on the breakup. I know that I was, I'm also, I say, because I'm also going through breakup same time period. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was listening to you talk about grieving the loss of possibilities I connected to because like for the first time in my life, I was with somebody who like I saw a future.
0: Yeah. And all the all the visions you had for where put your potential life could go with that person. It also leaves. And the weird thing about being queer and being poly is like there's also that, well, we could just deescalate as friends path that many people operate within. And I've had that to a degree, but sometimes it just doesn't go that way. Right. And yeah. So you're not, there's also the potential for complete loss even if you're being told that there, there is a the desire for being friends. Sometimes that's not actually possible or, or true. So thank you. I appreciate that. And I'm sorry you're also navigating that. It's fucking shitty. Do you identify as polyamorous?
1: My last relationship before this present thing was polyamorous because she had a live-in partner that she had been with like for a couple years before me. Right. But before then, I was always hesitant to like, really plant the flag and say, like, I'm polyamorous. I I know I've got the capacity for it. I've just never been in it. And I was like, you know, I I feel like it might be similar to someone who, like, suspects they might be queer but has not done anything queer yet, right? So I believe I probably am. But, like, I always just kind of default to calling myself non-monogamous. But, pretty, you know, someone calls me poly, I don't correct them.
0: Sure, sure, sure. And there's so many even versions of what polyamory looks like because I really see it at the root as a philosophical perspective around how we view love and view relationships and, like, not having a hierarchy in terms of even our friendships. Like, Mm. to me, that's – it's all about just, like, love is love and relationships are relationships and, like, why do we need to have this ownership model, you know, or whatever.
1: In theory, I agree with, I I understand like the relationship anarchists and, and like what you're saying about hierarchies of friendships or romantic, I get that. But at the same time, like, I think there's a, isn't there a functional difficulty to practice that if a society around you won't?
0: A thousand percent, which is why it's constantly hard. It's constantly hard because we mm. live in a compulsory monogamy, monogamous society where everything is built around the, the binary, two people, and and usually it's two heteronormative people, mm. and so like when you're queer and and non-monogamous, you're like fighting against it all, and sometimes that fight is just too hard. Like right. it can get exhausting, and frankly, like I'm four years into this, and I often am, and frankly, I've been having this conversation with myself a lot lately. Like I don't know, like right now I'm consciously being monogamous because I just can't right now. I don't have the emotional capacity to do this right now. Like it's just, it's hard
1: when someone says like, whether I am or not like polyamorous or non-monogamous, I take that to be more of like who you are in your core. <laughs>
0: and it, for me, it totally is. Yeah. Right.
1: It's like, so it's like, if I need to be, mon- if I need to like not sleep with somebody else for a period of time, that wouldn't make me monogamous. That would just mean I'm agreeing to something that like is not in my nature. Totally. um it, 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 like, cause even when like in the poly land, they love hierarchies. They even like, I mean, you know, or classifications. I've mm-hmm. seen huge polycules where it's mapped out on a piece of paper and there's like dotted lines and solid yeah. lines and, and squares and circles. Yeah, Who's condom, Who who's no condoms together. Who's yeah. in the condom contract, right? A lot. All that stuff. Yeah. And so there's a hierarchy and all that. I feel so the the people like you who don't believe in the hierarchies, I feel like is like a a, a niche point of view.
0: Oh, so let me rephrase if that's how it came off. I do believe in hierarchies and okay. I think that they are very valid and very important. And the people who dismiss them as valid ways of doing relationships and non-monogamy, I think is really problematic. Ah. What I what I just don't think I've ever philosophically understood, even when I was monogamous, is that uh, certain people are inherently more important than other people. Like right. even when I got married, Uh, I didn't see my husband as more important than my best friend or my roommate or.
1: Has he heard you say that? Yeah.
0: And we we had lots of conversations (laughs) about those things. And it's not that like, like, I just, I just didn't see that. I couldn't understand that perspective. It did not live inside of my bones, Mm. you know, because I was like, these people are all important to me and they're important to me for very different reasons. And I'm going to protect their hearts. Because I love them so Mm. much, you know? And of course, there are some people who I see more. There are some people who I speak to more. There are some certain people that I go to when I'm having a panic attack that I could never ever go to with lots of other people. There are certain people that they're my 2 a.m. phone call people, you know? There's my emergency contact person. And so maybe you see that as hierarchical. And maybe it is. And but but at the end of the day, like I didn't understand that like rating system it just really didn't sit well with me um so yeah i just had a lot of like i had a lot of best friends i didn't understand the whole like best best friend i was like i she's my best friend and they're my best friend and he's my best friend and we're all best friends you know (laughs) so
1: what what do you think is problematic about the people who you know discount hierarchies period
0: Well, because it causes people who actually need to have hierarchical dynamics to feel the pressure to not move in that direction and then operate out of integrity with themselves. Like the pressure and shame around so many people who I'm like, no, you have a hierarchical model. You need to have that. When I talk to them in peer support sessions and they're like, but isn't hierarchy bad? And I'm like, no, it's not bad. It's just needs to be addressed. It needs to be clearly expressed. What's the problem is when people – who are in hierarchical dynamics or are couples that come from monogamy and live together and are enmeshed in a lot of ways and have kids maybe and so so much of their time needs to be spent together and they only have one or two days for other people yeah like that's totally valid but you just have to be upfront with people when you're then meeting them and say hey my capacity is this this person is going to be my priority and that doesn't mean that your values and your needs are not really important to me too. But if mm. my kid is sick and like, I need to be there, right? you know, if my part, if my, you know, wife is in the hospital, like I'm going, even if we have a date, like it's just, it's, and frankly, like my time is limited. And so you have to be okay with only seeing me once a week.
1: Yeah. It's about setting expectations. What right. can I expect from you or not? You know, Right.
0: It's, it's the, the issue is when people who are really hierarchical don't claim that that's what they are. And so then the people that they're meeting have these expectations that are, well, actually, like eventually we could maybe share the amount of time we have together and it could be this 50-50 balance and when that was never true in the first place, right? And so that's where the issue, I believe, comes up. But of course, when there's so much shame that is being like put on a certain way of practicing, people are less likely to feel like it's okay to do that and even try to operate outside of that when in reality that's what it is.
1: And whether that's like, you know, in uh, whether or not you believe in hierarchy or if it's about even being polyamorous or a slew of things in dating, you know, people talk about poly folks who kind of end up doing it because they feel pressured as if like poly's bad. I'd be like, where this happens all over in relationships, whether it's like, who's going to convert to which religion? Yep. Are we doing the marriage? Are we having kids? Even yep. if maybe we don't want a kid, right? Like yep. all these things, uh, you know, where, where's the time in your life? Uh, cause I know you've also been with your husband for super long time, many yeah. mazels, but, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, is there a time in your relationship history where you were agreeing the things you didn't want?
0: That's a great question. Um,
1: I usually try to slip one in somewhere.
0: Yeah, no, just, just only one.
1: <laughs> I like to have one good question. <laughs> I
0: don't actually think anyone's asked me this before, so it's a really I'm I'm glad we're talking about it. Honestly, well, we I only met him in college. We've been together for eleven mm-hmm. years. Um, but i I actually don't think for me that happened until Polly. Mm-hmm. because I did think that Paul, like I came into polyamory very it was very unexpected. I wanted to have a threesome, and then I fell for the person we were having a threesome with. And I was like, what the fuck? I think I'm polyamorous. Yeah. I don't know what to do with this. Philosophically, it made sense. Practically, it was fucking nightmare for me.
1: Yeah.
0: And I had so much insecurity, so much jealousy. I was just navigating a lot of stuff. I was having panic attacks. And I did not – advocate for myself in the con- in the context of that because I was reading all this literature and listening to all of these podcasts that were available at the time that was saying like how to do poly right and what is not okay and how you have to treat these people. And I was like trying to be like, I'm such a student at heart. You know, I was like, I'm going to get do an a good a job. plus, right? Exactly. yeah And so I was like, I can do this. I can do this. You can do this. You want this. And it wasn't that I didn't want it. It was just that I was doing it inauthentically to where I was for mm. my capacity. And so I wasn't then speaking up and saying, Hey, like my needs are this. And I, they're not getting met because I wasn't asking for things. And then once I started asking, it was like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. We've been doing things differently for like an, a year and a half. Like yeah. what's going on? And I was like, well, they think, think
1: something's wrong. It's like, no, everything was kind of wrong a little bit. Was
0: really <clears throat> wrong. And I yeah. just wasn't saying anything about it. Cause I was trying to be good.
1: I've been reading about codependency a bit lately. Uh I might have a problem. And I <laughs> <laughs> I I you know I met up with with the ex uh because we like were figuring things out. But one of the things I was like sharing with her was, you know, I finally enacted a boundary after the second breakup. Oh yeah, no, there were two dumpings. I'm that special. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I I was like, I enacted a boundary and I was reading that like when a codependent person who normally doesn't set boundaries finally sets one, it sometimes looks like they're being mean or like not nice or selfish. But it's like, no, they're just fine. You just were used to them never doing that. Yeah. And now they're finally doing what's healthy for themselves. And it can be a little bit of a shock if the always agreeable person finally disagrees. You're like, what the fuck, but actually they might just be finally taking care of themselves.
0: Yeah. Well, and it can also be really jarring for the person on the receiving end too, because they've gotten, they've attached themselves to the version of you that wasn't setting those boundaries Mm -hmm. and maybe wasn't being clear about their needs, but that's what they thought your reality was. That's what they thought your truth was. And it was in the moment, right? but there was all this unconscious shit that was happening under the surface that you weren't even aware of. But then it's like once you come into yourself, which is what happens really in your 20s, especially your late 20s, early 30s, in my opinion, and you're starting to practice that, it can be really jarring to the receiving partner because it's like, oh, wait, do I still want this person? Is this – are these – do we have boundaries that actually – coexist or does this mean that this isn't going to work anymore because is the
1: healthy version of the person I love a person I actually can be with
0: right because maybe now they're asking for things that are not what you're needing and mm-hmm. so like that can be really hard i'm experiencing some of that in my own life right now it's hard like to recalibrate and be like okay we maybe weren't our healthiest selves for the longest time of our relationship. Now we feel like we are. And what does this relationship when the context of our healthiest selves look like, like I, I don't have the answer to that. It's hard is what my answer is. (laughs) Like it's, it's shitty and hard and confusing.
1: What, what were some of those early nightmares or like, what were some of those things you had, you realized you needed to ask for that were so shocking to the partner?
0: Yeah. Well, early on in my in my non-monogamous journey, I was in triads. So I only had, you know, t- we had two triads before I started dating individually and that was about 2 years into poly for me
1: and for triad like for you are those like kind of poly things or is it just more like y'all only dated together a person and that person yeah. also did whatever they wanted
0: no the first person it wasn't she had an existing partner okay. and he was also in a couple other relationships um and the second one it just kind of worked out that way but she was newer to poly and i think like we only were together, all three of us for six months. And like, it's a lot to navigate a relationship with sure. two people that you're meeting for the first time. So, yeah, but I, you know, so I think what was hard for that is like, there's this, I had the perspective, which is really actually problematic at the time that like, it was basically like my relationship was just fusing with another person instead of like there being these individual things. And I was feeling the loss of moving from monogamy to polyamory. I was frankly feeling what felt like a breakup of the relationship that I had known for seven years into this new way of operating and then also being also dating the same person and like whatever and spending all this time with this other person. And it, it felt for me, especially with the second triad dynamic, that I had lost my relationship with my husband, that it was just really this triad dynamic now. And like, that was where so much of the time and energy was being spent because we were excited. We were having fun. We were having great threesomes, like whatever. But I was like grieving the loss of my relationship as I knew it. And I didn't know that I wasn't consciously aware that that's what was happening, but I was feeling it in my body Mm -hmm. so much. And that came up a lot as like, I'm trying to control the scenario. Like I want to have, I need to have more time with you. Really. That's just individual. I need certain, uh, I don't know, like reassurances and special time that feels like it's just us because I, we've spent so much time with this other person and I just need, I need that time with just you. And like, he was acting in NRE in ways that felt really shitty for me and hurt my mm-hmm. feelings a lot. And I was just like, this isn't the person that I married, what's happening, you know? And so it was just a lot of all of that, you know?
1: Were you nervous, like in those first couple of years of, uh, of going into poly that, Maybe the marriage was gonna not survive. because uh, what? Like I'm here in distress, you know, in the moment back then.
0: Yeah, from you, I did not feel that way. Okay, um, back then at all. I was, I, I, you know, when you meet somebody, I don't know if you've had this experience or if anyone listening has, but when I met my husband, it was like, oh, this is oh. And I don't know how to describe yeah. it beyond that. Like, I get I get teary thinking about it because it's just, like, I just knew. I just knew that this person was going to be my life forever. Yeah. And that, like, I was going to love him so much. Like, I just knew. I saw our life. I saw this vision. And it was so beautiful and, like, that doesn't mean that we are not fucked up in our own ways individually and together. Cause we really are in you know some ways and we've been trying to like move through that. And we're in kind of a season of that right now, but no, like I have never, especially early on, I was just like, we're going to figure it out. Cause we always mm-hmm. do. Like we're going to move through this and we're going to heal and we're going to stand in this, in the shit storm together and hold hands through it because that's what we always do. Like I, you know, my vow to him when we got married and frankly so early in our relationship was like, I'm always going to choose you. I'm always yeah. going to choose you. Um, because I believed that, you know, I believed that so deeply. And so I, I still believe that early on in our poly journey, it didn't ever come across my mind, but I, I did very much freak out about what that life might look like. And if maybe that was going to move to a life that wasn't really aligned with what I needed. Mm-hmm. And so that was more what was playing for me, if that makes sense.
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, you talk about that that meeting someone you're like, you know, I mean, there's a lot of like, I meet someone I know, like, oh, this is a person I want to, hey, you know, I want to date this person. There's a strong chemistry, yeah, yeah. but then there's something another level. And that's what I've been experiencing with um, this woman who we call her wallet note lady on the show because, uh, <laughs> you know. Um, jobs, and, and but yeah, like you know, you know that after that first kiss, first date, yep. like afternoon date. By the way, there's something about Ugh. if you have a great afternoon date. I
0: love a good afternoon date, like walking in the park and getting coffee, and just like or like being like fucking dweebs and like rolling around the hills if it's warm. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah,
1: like if you have a dope first afternoon date, and it's like it, like no clothes have come off. And you're like still feeling the thing, like you know that's real because like this isn't even just like your junk yelling at you. This is like the way I've described the way I felt walking the other way back to the back home. I I was it was like cosmic. I was like you know you were talking about like we got to get through the shitstorm. It's like you're going to get through it because like you have to. Like just, it's yeah. there's yeah. something higher up Completely. that is going to say that this will work.
0: Completely. So y'all and
1: will figure it out.
0: I don't even believe like in God or in like that, that shit. But like, I felt that I was like, we've met in past lives. Like there's no way. Like I just, yeah. Yeah. So
1: what's up poor heads time for the episode icebreaker. We had so many great responses last week in the episode discussion channel in the champagne room. And we look forward to hearing your response to this one too. Here's the question this week. Are you ready? All right, here we go. How do you reassure your partner's, you love them how do you reassure your partners that you are committed to them join us in the champagne room today on discord pop in the episode discussion channel let us know your answer join us today at manwhorepod.com slash discord now let's get back to the show I mean, I I'm glad that. that y'all were able to survive that, that shit storm as well as all the, all the others. Uh, but yeah, you know, those, that early shift, cause you know, there, there's the shift of uh, you know, okay, I am going forward in future relationships going to be non-monogamous, but then to say like, no, we who were traditionally monogamous are going to open up. Like those are different uh, yeah. journeys to have to go on because like, it requires, you know, one you can just do on your own and the other one, like you really got to coordinate with that person.
0: Yep, and we really didn't do that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but but what did eventually get you all around? Like, what did it take for things to move smoother?
0: Yeah, honestly, like, in some ways, the pandemic helped with that because we were forced to face things really head on mm-hmm. and be together, like, all the time, which we weren't used to. Like, we led pretty – people are always really surprised when I say this, but, like, we led really independent lives for the first, like, three, four even maybe five years of our relationship, like so independent. Like he works nine to five in tech and has always been like in startup world, and like we're very much just like I want to like change the world. Cool, like the Steve Steve Jobs kind of like human, you know. And I'm an actor, and so like my I sometimes leave for for gigs or I'm in rehearsals at night, and so our schedules often were like never aligned. So. Yeah. It also
1: look like you're not working, which is what I'm experiencing. Like sometimes she, she's like, it doesn't seem like, are you, are you, I don't know. It doesn't feel like you do. I was like, yo, you have no idea. Like when you see me not doing anything, I'm actually doing everything up here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But yeah, so we led very, you know, and we've always had like separate friend groups while well, that sometimes intermingle, but like, we just have like really strong individual friendships that are not, you know, necessarily together. So... Yeah, what was your? Well, I feel like I got back to this, but I can't remember what your original question was. now. Well,
1: originally it was, you know, you were ha- the first couple years of poly for y'all two and whoever else involved were tough, and yeah. then well, what it sounds got us like to where we are now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you were saying in the pandemic, you really kind of forced to face yeah. that stuff.
0: Well, we were like very, very close to one another. It was wild and and h- hard on that level. I will say for us for sure because I was like, oh wow, like we're spending so much time together now and have absolutely no independence other than going for walks. Um, But it forced us to face a lot of the like shadow side of our relationship and a lot of the patterns that had been happening in the early years. And we started seeing a couples counselor and just like really decided to like actually take action in those things and listen to each other in a different way. Uh, we also both were finally in individual therapy, which helped us also unpack our own past traumas and be able to actually express those. So I think there was a level of understanding and, and empathy and clarity around those things that, for a, for a while, like le- led to being poly, being really chill for both of us. It was like, mm. oh, like I feel secure in us now. Like we've really done this work and and whatnot. And so. I'm in a personal season of like not feeling super secure, <laughs>
1: but um, you say, did, uh, sorry, you you cut up. It was uh, you are feeling that. Present? We
0: yeah we we were. Okay. Um, I'm in a personal season of not feeling super secure, and that's mm. probably in the last few few months. Uh, well, that's just,
1: understandable with the
0: yeah the actually, development. It wasn't because of the breakup. Interestingly, huh. it, yeah, um, I've just been in a season of like depression for the first time in my life. I had never experienced it before. And December of last year, I went through a really, really gnarly bout of it. And um, I've just been unpacking some old wounds and deep, deep traumas of my life and watching some of that play out in certain elements of my life now which unfortunately are tied to Polly,
1: yeah. um,
0: where I'm getting triggered a lot by things um, that are deeply connected to like my worst moments of triggered past yeah. and navigating through that has been really fucking hard. Um, so I'm not feeling hella secure right now. Mm-hmm. I know he is feeling better than he's ever felt, which is also interesting and hard to, not, to navigate. But I would say like for a year and a half, it was just like, it really felt like smooth sailing to be honest
1: what have you been asking uh from him in reaction to like as an adjustment to where you are now if anything
0: yeah um like, I don't do you know. ask him to go
1: on dates less or to swipe less or whatever yeah
0: well he's he's not on apps right now he's has a relationship that is actually one of my exes um when we were in try it together okay and they've been together for two and a half years, I think, something like that. And then he's um, in a newer relationship with someone who also was originally dating me and then broke up with me. So the pattern is really fun. Wow. How but do you... Let, let me tell you.
1: Um, wait, with those, those are... Triad breaks and then later he comes back, or it was more like the triad. It's more like I'm going to break up with you, but I'm going to stay with you.
0: So the original one was an established triad, and we've talked about this actually in tandem on my podcast at length. But the original one was a an established triad. She ended things with me, but wanted to stay with him.
1: Oh my! And how the fuck did you feel about that?
0: It was wow. really hard. It was really hard. Um, part of why why when I wasn't advocating for myself existed during that time. Um, and, uh, even me,
1: Mr. Slep boy goes like, that sounds fucking, I don't know.
0: Yep. And it's still hard. So mm-hmm. it's, yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah. So that was the first time that happened. The most recent one was we were not an established triad at all. And it was not really even potentially even moving in that direction. Mm. Um, this person was just interested in dating both of us and we had gone on a few dates and then she was like, mm.
1: Escalated with one and not the other. Yeah. Is that do, have you heard of that often happening in poly?
0: I don't know. I just get. To, I guess I'm really lucky. <laughs>
1: well, um, you know, when, when so many people follow you, to you know, in part at least, but I think it, at least on the ticky talks, it's uh, you know. Large, a, a huge part, a good chunk of it is because of the poly, um, conversations yeah. and videos you do, you know, it, 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 thrusts you into a position of authority, whether or not you feel like an authority, do you feel like an authority on poly? Absolutely
0: not. I hate the word expert. Yeah. I, I just, it really fucking like I, even right. in my whole coaching career, like I, I facilitate spaces and tell stories to help other people feel illuminated in their own truth. Mm-hmm. That is why I do anything I do. And frankly, I, I kind of think anyone who frames themselves as an expert – around polyamory or really fucking anything, to be quite honest, unless you have a PhD (laughs) and have like gone through years and years and years and years and years and years of study and like done all these research data shit. Like nobody is – an. the only thing you're an expert on is your own life and your own experience Mm -hmm. and your own perspective and your own traumas and whatever. So you can speak beautifully about those things. And if someone can gain something about themselves through that, amazing. But no, I'm not an expert. I just share really fucking – you know, uh, authentically and honestly from my heart. And that's all I ever know how to do. And yeah, do I have certifications and other things that have led to my coaching career? A hundred percent. It's why I I coach and I love that. But no, fuck no. I'm not a polyamory expert. And Mm -hmm. please do never, ever look at somebody Uh who is in that space, someone like me, and be like, I'm going to take their word, And what they're saying as like, that's what I have to do. I even caveat that on a lot of my videos. Like this is take this with a grain of salt, leave, Uh like take what works, leave the rest. Like this is just my story because a lot of people speak like this is the right way to do something and – I fucking hate it.
1: Sure. Agree or disagree is fine. But, uh, you know, I, I feel like uh, the multi-amory crew, like Dedeker, Winston and them, you know, like they, I think they tow the line pretty well on that. I agree. Me, like I, I also like to not take responsibility for expertise. I just remind people I'm a comedian with a fuck show. Let's keep it there. <laughs> if I accidentally do something better than that, that's great, but uh us keep the bar nice and low. I enjoy tripping over it every day. I uh, <laughs> you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I love their show. And I think but I think they even say that like we're not experts, right. we're not th- I mean Ded- Dedeker is a coach like I am, but it's like no, we're not. Uh, well, therapist. Dedeker wrote a
1: book or two. It's like at that point, well, you're you know, there's a tier when you publish a book, you know. I don't you're know anyone can publish a
0: book these days. <laughs> like I I I love her. I think she's amazing. I take everything she has to say. And like, really it, it often lands so beautifully with me, but like, you know, I also am a book writer. I'm in the middle of writing my next book and I still don't consider myself an expert just because I've, I have published work, you know, like at the end of the day, we're just sharing our own experiences, sharing the things that we do have education around, which is important. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know. I, I love them. I think they do a great job with it all.
1: So, so one of the, the joys of Polly is being able to like Explore things you might not have been able to explore within a monogamous setting, and for you, one of those things was realizing you're bisexual yeah and then being able to go out and explore that what was it like to finally go like on a date with a woman you know after all these years with your husband?
0: it was so exciting it was like it really felt like this liberation of oh wow, like this is who I have always been and to be able to experience it in real time. It's just like, I love women. Holy fuck. Like they're just so amazing. And to be able to show that in all the ways that I want to and have the opportunity to do that and be so celebrated in that by the person that I've been with for 11 years, like that just, it felt so, and feels so amazing. You know, what Um, was the
1: first date? How'd you meet her? Where'd y'all go?
0: Well, this was a try. So it was a a triad dynamic. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, was that part of the
1: agreement in the beginning where like, we're going to just date together?
0: Well, it wasn't even dating. It was like, we're going to maybe have a friends with benefits situation. Like I just, it was really like we got set up with this woman because a mutual friend of Kevin's who is Polly knew her and was like, she's looking for like a threesome situation that lives close. You guys live close to each other. Like, yeah, like it could work, you know, she's, she's fun. I I like her. I haven't slept with her, but I like her, you yeah. know? Um, And so we were like, okay, like let's connect and see if like there's chemistry. Cause I, I'm, you know, very much a demisexual, like I can't just sleep with somebody that I don't know or sleep with somebody that I don't feel like trust or safety with. So I, yeah, we reached out and we started talking over text and decided to meet up and have dinner. And it was exciting. But I think, you know, it's so interesting because like a lot of people come to me and be like, Aren't, weren't you so scared the first time you went on a, a date with a woman? And I was like, well, my situation was a little bit different because I was also there with my husband. Yeah, and you so, get to hold his
1: hand and give it a squeeze if well, you're scared. Well, there's
0: that secure base of yeah. like, I feel comfortable here. And if this doesn't go well, like, we, I just leave and you're here with me. And, you know, like I, it didn't feel, yeah, scary. It was just more like this is wild and exciting and I'm nervous, but in like the best way. Yeah. I thought I was going to be more, more chill. I was not chill. I was like the farthest thing from chill. <laughs> uh,
1: How were you not chill?
0: Um, I was stammering all over myself. <laughs> like I was just like, I ordered. Okay. So I, <laughs> I don't think I've ever told this story, but I ordered, we were at this restaurant that I'd been to before and somehow like I ordered like three entrees. Like I was just, I was like, this looks good for yourself, for myself. Yeah. I was like, ended up with this giant sandwich and fries and like half a chicken and like this whole thing of coleslaw. And I was like,
1: and uh, what do y'all want?
0: (laughs) Yeah, honestly. And they were looking at me like, I think they were looking at me while I was ordering. Like, is she really what? And I think the, the woman was just like, all right, go for it. Like have fun, you know? And then I showed up and I was like, oh, I didn't think that's what I ordered, you know? And they just both started laughing so hard. and I was like, I can't, I was just felt, I was all, I was fucking around all over my, but then like the second date, I was like, you know, we were hanging out and having dinner at her place and drinking wine. And I was just like, at one point I just looked at her. and I was like, are we going to do this? Like, are we going to do this? Like, do you want to do this? And she was like, yeah. (laughs) My husband was like, okay, <laughs> so I was like, I just can't hold it in anymore, like, can we just, can we just do it?
1: Can I fucking kiss you? Like, I'm, I'm in, what's going on? Yeah,
0: like, I don't know how to start this, but, like, we're going, if you're down, and consent is happening, and, like, we all, like, talked about, like, if anyone's uncomfortable, just say, like, stop, and we'll stop, and mm-hmm. it did not happen that way, we were all great, so, yeah, it was, uh, anyways, I was, yeah.
1: <laughs> um, Did y'all do the, the we're going to go on the date to see if we want to have a threesome on another night. Or was it like, if this goes well, we will go home after the, the big three, uh, three entree ab- dinner.
0: Yeah. We didn't, <laughs> yeah, no, we didn't talk about like expectations at all. It really dinner was like to get to know each other. Sure. And it was clear that like, that was, that w- was what it was. And then mm. we were, but we were all like, we should hang out again. This was really fun. And so yeah. that's kind of where I was like, how we feeling? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gauge the room. <laughs>
1: you know, what do you, uh, what do you recommend the people who, uh, to couples who are new to non-monogamy and maybe they're just starting off with what we'd like to have a threesome. Like how does, what do you recommend a couple does to find a threesome?
0: Yeah. I wish I had a great answer to this because Mm. there's not really a great way to do it because so often on dating apps, like couples are seen as really predatory and, you can come across as unethical unicorn hunters and there's all of that stuff, you know? So I think the best way is when it happens organically and you just kind of meets people who you're like, I'm open to this. And I think the more you talk about your value system with your friends and sort of see like, are, are people aligned with this too? Like, you know, that, that's, those are the ones where I've witnessed the most uh, thoughtful <laughs> approaches yeah. and like ones that actually seem to work the best. Um, But when
1: we live in like nice liberal populated cities, that that can be a little, yeah, a lot easier. So they're, they're just going to be some people who by circumstance have to do it via an app thing. Are there, so I'll kind of flip the question a bit in that. Are there tips for ways to not be that predatory shitty couple? Who's not giving a shit about the human being third.
0: Totally. I I think for one, make sure that you're, both on the t- – if you have a text thread going, like, that you're both on that, you know, um, and having equal dialogue with the person to get to know them, that you genuinely are interested in getting to know them because they're a fucking person and not to be treated like a, a piece of meat to, like, save your fucking marriage, like, roll eyes so big. You know, I think asking the person, like, what's important to you in this dynamic, you know, and, and genuinely wanting to to know what they want. Um, and then being also clear if you have any established rules, Mm -hmm. if you have any established uh, agreements within your dynamic that the other person needs to know about, like uses of condoms or, um, you know, it's not cool. I'm not cool with, you know, my husband coming on you, but like he can do that on me. Are you comfortable with that? Or, uh, you know, I'm not okay with him doing anything but you know, penetrative sex with you, like any, or that's, that's, that's like vaginal. It can't be Mm. like anal. Like, I'm not cool with that. I don't want to see that. I don't want to be around that. Are you cool with that? Maybe you're really into anal and like, you want that shit, whatever, you know? So like
1: literally having that conversation for a threesome on Sunday, Uh, she's really into anal and it would be heartbreaking if I'm not.
0: (laughs) I mean, but that, those are important things, you know? And so having those dialogues is huge. It's hugely important because you want to, you want to obviously like you never know how things are going to go. And maybe there's going to be something that you haven't faced. But at least you can go in then with some uh, parallel expectations to how the, the circumstances might go. And you're not then like in a scenario that you feel tricked by later.
1: Mm-hmm. OK. OK. What's, um? you know, again, as not an expert, but a, a polyamorous person influencer are you comfortable with the with influence we
0: all are influencers at this point like let's be <laughs> honest
1: <laughs> yes even cheryl in the book club she's an influencer to 12 people in town yeah. but she is but an she influence is. in town exactly if you want your zoning thing passed at the at city council like you gotta talk to cheryl yep. she's, uh, she's got her fingers <laughs> on the pulse do you have a controversial opinion about polly like, uh, do you have a hot take of your own that, you know, uh, oh God, others do not agree with? I have, to, I have so with.
0: many. <laughs> <gasps> oh, my God. Yes, please. Spill it all I mean, over I think, the place. I think my thing about, like, hierarchical polyamory is just as valid as is for many people a hot take. I also think, like, I personally believe that if you're in a – especially if you're coming from a monogamous uh, dynamic with two people – And moving into non monogamy, I think it's completely valid to decide to close your relationship if that relationship is really struggling. Like Mm -hmm. I do. And I know that can cause a lot of pain and heartbreak, but I think you have to be upfront about the potential of that being real, Mm -hmm. you know? But like, yeah, like I think that that's just if you care enough about a dynamic, you do the things you need to do to fight for them. And a lot of people will think i'm fucking awful for saying that but that's truly how i feel um
1: but that's that you said that uh, you put the caveat of, like if we're coming from a monogamous thing to opening closing school but what do you feel about someone who's clearly not monogamous from the beginning and then someone trying it and then wanting to close does the person who is a non-monogamous person close or do they say like i i i am this person
0: yeah, no, I think that's a different situation. Mm-hmm. I think it's a different scenario. So, yeah, I mean, if you're up from, from from the get-go, like, this is who I am, period, end of story, like, cool. I do also think that sometimes, like, I know a lot of people who are non-monogamous who get into – there's, like, so many varying levels of polyamory, right? And it's, right. like, some people it's feel it in their bones. They can't not do it. But it's, like uh, – relationships require, at the end of the day, secure foundations to thrive. They just do. And certain people have different needs when it comes to what that looks like. And if you're both meeting each other for the first time, you don't have a secure foundation. You have to build that. And Mm -hmm. it can take time and it can take not having external factors that cause a lot of additional insecurity to be able to build that. So I know a lot of people who identify as non-monogamous or polyamorous who are totally happy to go into a new relationship and say, we're going to be monogamous for a year. We're going to check in at a year, see how we're doing so that we have a foundation, and then we can open up our relationship and expand and Mm -hmm. still have the life that we know we need at the end of the day. I I
1: truly – sorry, Sorry. keep going.
0: I was just going to say, I think as long as the expectation of like we have a cutoff time where we're going to check in and – Also, we understand that this is important for us to explore down the line, and there's not, like, a veto power ability to say, like, this isn't okay, actually, for me in the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Like, that – I think that's important.
1: Mm -hmm. So, like, uh, you know, having some committed time to, like, work on the safety and security. But, like, this is going to happen in some form, shape, or fashion in the future. Right. But I'm willing to, like, have committed time doing this just to a bit i don't think yeah.
0: that's an unreasonable ask at all i actually sure. think it's a really healthy choice because everyone has different needs when it comes to relationships and some people don't don't need that some people are so secure in themselves yeah. that like cool but a lot of people do yeah <laughs> this kind of conversation does not happen in the polyamorous space it's
1: mm-hmm.
0: unfortunately i i love so many people that are poly, like there's some great people out there, but people see things in a really black and white way when it comes to these dynamics. It's like, it has to look this way or it can't, and it can't look this way. When in reality, like that's just not how we are as people. We live in the gray. There's way more nuance to our needs and to our personalities and to ourselves. And there are a lot of people like you and I who are flexible in our practices. Like I don't believe that what I want to do right now is going to be true in a year. I just, that was the whole
1: point of non monogamy is that it's supposed to be literally that you got monogamy is a fixed point. There is literally only one way to do it. Not you. Do you have an annual threesome on your anniversary? Grace, you're also not monogamous, right? Like (laughs) it's one that's fixed point. Then everything else to infinity is the possibilities. And it's whatever you two or 12 people want that possibility to look like, and it's always able to be in flux. It What I love about non-monogamy is that like, ideally you can always come to each other to propose something yeah. and someone can always say, no, thank you. And that shouldn't be terrible. It shouldn't be bad to ask if it's okay to hear a no. And I'm usually really? okay hearing a no. So it shouldn't be threatening to ask. However, in monogamy at that fixed point, even to ask is seen as this huge affront to have a threesome, to open it up, to Even have a to one-time thing. to see
0: someone as attractive oh and my god, say that, it's like, I just, I didn't never understood. Like we had these conversations all through yes. monogamy. So I was like, <laughs> this is not normal people. But yeah, like I, and I get it. Like some people are, that's what works for them. Cool. But yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think. I think that's actually like a really big pitfall of how a lot of people portray polyamory, a lot of influencers, people who speak very openly about it and have a big platform. It's very much like, it's very binary. It's like, this is the way it has to be done. And It's less of a choose-your-own-adventure, right? Because people have been hurt because of certain circumstances or whatever. And it's like, okay, fine. Like, I think the common goal here is just fucking be transparent. Just say what you're wanting. Let people know when that's changing. And, like, you know, hopefully you're going to find partners who care enough about your feelings and who want to protect your heart as much as they protect their own to – you know, move through that with you, you know, yeah. and maybe they won't at a certain time. And then maybe they're no longer the partner for you. You know, like, that's just the way I see it.
1: I'm glad to hear someone else rolls their eyes a bit at the, uh, the polyland discourse from time to time. Cause gosh, you know, it's, there's also a communal, it's kind of like a group think atmosphere at times too. It you know, 100% it's hard to
0: that way. It's very problematic in my opinion.
1: Right. Like the relationship anarchists, they won't even have the same discourse as the the general poly land because they're like, well, ours is so different. So we're going to we're not going to be with you and engage in difference. We're just going to be our whole own subset. Hulty. You know, the poly that I call them the poly pockets, you know, <laughs> they're poly people to go to poly events. They talk about being poly and that's it. And they also always agree on all the things. And like that's so Boring. Like, why can't we disagree about stuff?
0: I agree. Well, that's what makes us human. That's what makes mm. us. That's what makes us not in a cult. Is right. when we have thoughts and opinions that are our own, and we choose to stand behind them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, you know, it's wild uh, that people will say like, ah, hey, you know, there's only one way. I think there's a lot of ways. I think there's truly infinite ways to do it.
0: Agreed.
1: Uh, what What do you love about polyamory?
0: Mm. I think that it's a really. If people have the courage, it's a really beautiful way to very quickly unpack your own shadows and understand yourself in a really deep way. And I love that growth work. Like, I'm a I'm a fucking sucker for that shit. Like, give me – I my goal is to just keep understanding myself better throughout the rest of my life, you know. And polyamory is a really beautiful path to that if it fits for you. Um, you know, I also love that it is centered around just love you know, like this having love for for multiple folks and that there is no one way to do things. Like I lived in a box my whole life and I fucking couldn't do it anymore. And polyamory has given me the flexibility and the freedom to build my relationships in the ways that feel most right and and to look at each one on an individual level and say like what do i want here and and does that align with what this, what this person wants and you know like they none of my relationships have looked the same and mm. that's so cool right it doesn't have to follow this high, high random trajectory that we've been taught by society as like the way to have a <laughs> successful relationship i i love that um so yeah and i i also I I've been living away from my my core family like my my blood family for so mm. long and when polyamory works and everyone is dope ass humans and you got like at least I have a preference for kitchen table polyamory it's just so much it feels like a family you really do and it's like I have like a comet partner who's really more like a best friend sometimes friends with benefits we were partners for a time and it's kind of evolved and I don't really like to label it but like He and my husband have become such close friends. And it's just the way when we are together, the three of us, it's 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 the most family I have ever felt like not being with my family, you know. And there is just something about that that I I don't know how to put into words if it's just a feeling that feels so, so like home, you know,
1: that's dope. That's dope. Do you happen to have an extra, like, and it's okay if not, do you have, like, an extra 10, 15 yeah. minutes for a little bonus episode? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, I was thinking maybe we'd talk a bit about the, the BRCA because, one, I don't know what those letters stand for, but I know <laughs> they have to do with... Chopping off your tits. And I uh, <laughs> i it. know that's something that people can uh, relate to. So Patreon folks, you'll, you'll hear that tomorrow. But for now, Amanda, where can people go to find you and take in your work and watch you do the dance with the little captions popping up?
0: <laughs> yeah. It's everywhere. It's Amanda Catherine Loy. It's just my name. Um, Catherine's with a K. That's on TikTok, Instagram, also my website if you want to book a peer support session. I do peer sports sessions for um, – anything non-monogamy related, anything coming out later in life and also around Braca and cutting off my tits, like you said. Um, so yeah, you can check that out on my website. Um, I'm not currently running my group programs, the school of fears, feels, and fucks, which is where I wear my coaching hat. Um, the,
1: the group of what
0: it's called the school of fears, feels, and fucks. Love that. Yeah, it's my um it's usually my like nine week program nine to twelve week programs. Sometimes if you just
1: put the word fuck in like everything you have professionally? <laughs>
0: brand live your fuck yes life right so uh,
1: why i'm surprised the handle isn't amanda fucking loy
0: honestly my twitter <laughs> handle is amanda mf loy but i'm never on twitter so <laughs> yeah it's been my handle for as long as i can remember so i just was like all right we're keeping it but yeah and then you can listen to my podcast um at live your fuck yes life the you in the fuck is starred because apple podcast it's a bitch um but you can check that out on you know itunes spotify or any podcast app and i think that's everything
1: fantastic everyone go check that stuff out uh, i know i'm a fan of following her on uh online and uh you know whether it's instagram reels tiktok whatever um no yeah, she's great she's doing good stuff uh thanks again patreon folks we'll see you tomorrow and amanda why don't you go ahead and say goodbye to everybody
0: thank you so much for having me and bye everyone
1: Oh, she was so much fun. I love talking to people who say fuck just as much as I do. Makes it all so much more fun. Uh, thank you again to Amanda Catherine Loy for joining us. I know I had a blast. Also had a blast on our Patreon bonus episode, which you can gain access to tomorrow at patreon.com slash Podcast. That's com slash Podcast. Uh, many of your favorite Man War podcast guests have bonus episodes up in there. Nina Hartley, Venus Cuckoldress, Rachel Steele, and more. So, you know, you get access. I think I got over 200 bonus episodes over there. That is an insane amount of bonus content. And the best part about the bonus episodes, I'm sure many of you uh, <laughs> will find, is uh, no monologue, really. It's about a minute intro, and boom, we're into the interview. I still can't tell if, uh, if, if y'all like the monologues or not, but, you know, uh, that's, we've been doing it for this long. Why, why stop now? Uh, I would love to know about what you thought about this week's episode. Join us in the episode discussion channel in the Champagne Room. Let us know what you thought. Let us know your answer to the episode icebreaker. For you shy folks who don't know how to start the conversation, don't worry. I'll do it for you introduce yourself today at manhorpod.com slash discord want to share your comments directly with me got a problem you need some advice on you can always shoot me an email directly at manhorpod@gmail.com at gmail.com um this is new you know i i didn't realize this until uh recently spotify now has podcast ratings did you know this i didn't know this i don't know when they started doing it but i just saw it this week, So if you could do me a favor, do me a solid. If you're listening to the show on Spotify just right now, just real quickly, tap on over to the podcast page. Give me five stars. Look, I know you got options. One, two, three, four, five stars. But come on, if you're already tapping over there, do a whore a solid. Give me all five of the stars. And even if you don't listen to the man whore podcast on Spotify, but you have Spotify, you can. St- it's OK. Just head on over To the Manwhore Podcast page on Spotify, give me five stars. Come on, folks, help me out. Consider it an eight-year pod gift. Much appreciated. And if you want to battle sex negativity in our society, doing it in a way that totally serves me, share the Manwhore Podcast on Maine. Yes, on Maine. Hey, if it's socially acceptable for your friends and family to post racist Trump shit and vaccine misinformation, I think you can get away with sharing a podcast about dating, love, and a little bit of sex. You think the people in your life don't want this type of content, but they do. They're just not going to say it out loud. You're doing them a favor, and you're kind of doing me one, too. All right, everybody. I hope you all have a great week, great weekend. Hoping you're getting stuffed by whoever you wish would mm, fucking stuff you. I I hope they're spitting on you. I hope they're doing whatever is the thing you want them to do. I hope you're getting that in droves. Do I know the measurement of a drove? No, I do not, but it sounds like a lot. All right, folks. Stay slutty. Are you looking to start a podcast? Want to use audio as a marketing tool for your small business? Enjoy free credits when you use my promo code Billy at Libsyn.com. That's Libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, or click the link in the show notes.